Sirah, a biography of Muhammad, the last messenger of Allah, written by Professor Dr. Safwat Khalilovich. Chapter 26 Beginning of the Revelation Seclusion in the Cave of Hira Even before the Prophethood, Muhammad, peace be upon him, lived a life free of vice and immorality. He found pleasure in meditation, and in order to devote himself fully to it, he used to withdraw into seclusion ever more frequently. A few years prior to the prophethood, he used to go to the hill of Nur, near Mecca, and stay in the cave of Hira, where he would spend few days and nights in a row. As he brought food and water along, Quraysh did not find it strange, since seclusion was a common thing among the descendants of Ishmael, as in each generation there were men who used to withdraw in seclusion, isolated place to spend some time far away from people and their malice and corruption, as the time of prophethood drew closer. Muhammad, peace be upon him, grew founder of seclusion. He used to stay in the cave of Hira for days and nights, spending particularly long periods of seclusion in the month of Ramadan. Seclusion is the best opportunity for one to be devoted to contemplation. Whoever visited the cave of Hira understands clearly what seclusion in it for one whole month means. It means isolation from this world and human greed, mundane delusions and ill-doing. At that elevated place, filled with absolute peace and silence, with a view to the hills and valleys, observing Mecca from distance, Muhammad peace be upon him meditated on himself, the existence, his and the future of his fellow tribesmen who worshipped idols. He contemplated Allah's blessings to people and people's dependence on them. Yet despite the fact that people were absolutely dependent on Allah and His blessings, they did not use them to attain Allah's pleasure. In solitude and silence, Muhammad prayed to Allah to guide him and his people. The pre-Islamic Arabs believed in the existence of Allah. There are several references to it in the Quran, but committed the sin of associating an equal to him in his power. The Beginning of the Revelation When Muhammad turned forty, the age of man's maturity, the first signs of prophethood started appearing. He first started having dreams that would later become reality. In the Islamic literature, these dreams of the prophets are called true dreams, al-ru'ya al-sadiqa, and the traditions on them are recorded in the most famous and authentic hadith collections, such as al-Bukhari's and Muslims' respective sahihs. Prophet's wife, Aisha radiallahu anha, said, that these dreams were as clear as dawn, mythful falaq al-subh. The dreams appeared for full six months, and the prophethood lasted 
for 23 years. According to the Hadith, the Prophet peace be upon him said that the dreams constitute one of the 46 parts of the prophethood. These dreams were actually a way in which Allah prepared the Prophet peace be upon him for the receiving of the revelation that was to follow soon afterward. The Prophet was also being prepared in another way. In that period, in search for the places where he could isolate himself and meditate, he used to go out of Mecca and walk until he would lose sight of the houses. Walking down the Meccan path and valleys, he would hear a voice telling him, Assalamu alayka, ya Rasulullah. Peace be on you, O Messenger of Allah. The Prophet would turn around, but would not see anything but trees and stones. So it looked to him that the voice had come from them. Having prepared Muhammad for prophethood and having prepared the people to accept it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala entrusted him with the prophetic mission and sent the revelation down on him. Describing the beginning of the revelation, famous Muslim scholar from India, Sheikh Safiul Ar-Rahman Al-Mubarakfuri states, During the third month of Ramadan, the Prophet was in seclusion in the Hira cave. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided to send down his mercy on earth to bestow the gift of prophethood to mankind. So he sent angel Gabriel with verses of the Qur'an to Muhammad peace be upon him. With the calendar estimates and the existing evidence, we may assert the revelation of the Qur'an started in the evening of Monday, the 21st Ramadan, which corresponds to the 10th of August, 610 CE. The exact age of Allah's Messenger was 40 years, 6 months and 12 days under lunar calendar, or 39 years, 3 months and 22 days under solar calendar. The first time Muhammad received the revelation was in one night of the last third of the month of Ramadan, when he retreated to meditate in the cave of Hira, and angel Gabriel appeared to him and told him, Read, read, iqra'a, Allah's Messenger said about this, I answered to him, I cannot read. He held me and pressed so hard that I felt sick. Then he released me and said, Read. I cannot read. He held me and pressed me so hard the second time that I felt sick and said, Read. I replied, I cannot read. He then held me and pressed me so hard for the third time that I felt sick. Then he released me and said, Iqra'a bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq, khalaqa al-insana min alaq. Iqra'a wa rabbuka lakram, alladhi allama bil-qalam, allama al-insana ma lam ya'lam. Read, in the name of your Lord, who created. He created men from a climbing form. Read, your Lord is the most bountiful one. 
who taught by means of the pen, who taught men what he did not know. The Prophet returned home to his wife Khadija bin Huwailid, very disturbed, and told her, Cover me, cover me, he was covered, and allowed to come to his senses undisturbed after his fear subsided. He told Khadija, You know the things I had seen in my dreams before. I heard that voice in reality, and it scared me. That was Gabriel, who showed himself to me, talked to me, and told me the utterances that frightened me. He then returned and told me I was a prophet. On my return here, when I approached trees and stones, they greeted me. Peace be on you, O Messenger of Allah. I fear for myself very much. And Khatija replied, Fear not, but rejoice by Allah. He will never humiliate you because you care for your relatives. Speak the truth, take care of everything, assist anyone in need. You are hospitable to your guests and you help those who advocate the truth. Khadija then took him to her cousin Waraka ibn Naufal, a Christian convert and bright Hebrew, in which he copied something from the Gospels. He was very old and blind. Khadija radiallahu anha told him, Cousin, please listen to what your nephew has to say. Well, nephew, what have you seen? The messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, related to him what he had seen. That is the same Namus, angel, that was sent down to Moses, peace be upon him. I wish I were a young man, so that I might be alive when your people cast you out. The prophet exclaimed in surprise, Would they cast me out? No man has ever brought a message like yours, but was met with hostility. If I live to see that day, I will certainly help you. However, Waraka died shortly afterward. There was a period during which the revelation did not come that distressed the prophet so much that he was about to throw himself from a cliff on several occasions. However, every time he would climb a summit, Gabriel appeared and told him, O oh, Muhammad, you are indeed a messenger of God. His distress would disappear, and he would come down and return home. Whenever he waited too long for the revelation, he would through a crisis again. When he would come to the top of a hill in such state, Gabriel appeared again and told him the same thing. Scholars have different opinions about the duration of the period without revelation, the most accurate being the one lasted few days only, since it is based on an authentic tradition. The Qur'an refers to this period of silence, too, in Surah 93. By the morning, brightness, 
and by the night, when it grows still. Your Lord has not forsaken you, prophet, nor does he hate you, and the future will be better for you than the past. Your Lord is sure to give you so much that you will be well satisfied. The 93rd chapter, verse 1 to 5. According to the information in the authentic Hadith traditions, Angel Gabriel appeared in the cave of Hera in human form. When the prophet got out and started returning home scared, he saw Gabriel in his true shape, which terrified the prophet even more and made him cry, cover me, cover me, as soon as he arrived home. Gabriel's pressing of the prophet during the delivering of the first revelation indicates that the prophet was receiving the revelation of the Qur'an awake in conscious state. This fact is a good response to the numerous unfavorable theories launched by Orientalist scholars about the state of mind that the prophet Muhammad peace be upon him was in when receiving the revelation. Reflections on the First Revelation of the Qur'an All relevant seerahs and other historical sources are consistent that the first word revealed to the Prophet was read. That is the first word that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down to mankind in the Qur'an. So, before any obligation, order, or prohibition, the Almighty Creator commanded read. This is a manifestation of wisdom and an important moral as it insists on learning and education since the epoch that followed in the history of mankind was an epoch of intense learning and intellectual achievements. Recite, study, learn, educate yourself, all of these are appropriate translations of the Qur'anic Ikra, is the first word of the Qur'an, the first word of Islam. In that way, the noble Qur'an motivated its followers to study and learn. However, the word read in this same verse is followed by the words of the Almighty, in the name of your Lord which means that learning and education should be in the name of the Lord. It is obvious that the first revelation contains two key terms, reading and pen. According to Muhammad Asad, the pen is used in this verse as a symbol for the art of writing, or more specifically, for all knowledge recorded by means of writing. And this explains the symbolic summons at the beginning of verses 1 and 3. Man's unique ability to transmit by means of written records his thoughts, experiences, and insights from individual to individual, from generation to generation, and from one cultural environment to another endows all human knowledge with a cumulative character. And since, thanks to this God-given ability, every human being partakes, in one way or another, in mankind's continuous accumulation of knowledge spoken of as being taught by God, 
things which the single individual does not, and indeed cannot know by himself. Furthermore, God's teaching man signifies also the act of his revealing, through the prophets, spiritual truth and moral standards, which cannot be unequivocally established through human experience and reasoning alone. On the importance and meaning of the first revelation, we shall cite only some of the thoughts of the famed Egyptian writer and scholar Sayyid Qut in his famous commentary of the Qur'an, in the shade of the Qur'an, Fi Zilalil Qur'an, the most widely read commentary in the 20th century. According to many scholars, I reflected for a while upon this event. I've all read it many times in books, those of the Prophet's biography, or those explaining the meaning of the Qur'an, but we either read it casually, or give it little thought, and go on with our reading. This is an event which has immense significance. It is an event which has an important bearing of the life of humanity. But much as we try today to perceive its great value, many of its aspects remain beyond our perception. It is no exaggeration to describe this event as the greatest in the long history of human existence. The true nature of this event, that God, the Great, the Compeller, the Almighty, Supreme, the Sovereign of the whole universe, out of His benevolence, has turned to that creation of His which is called man, and which takes its abode in a hardly visible corner of the universe, the name of which is the earth. He has honored this species of his creation by choosing one of its number to be the recipient of his divine light and the guardian of his wisdom. What is the significance of this event? With reference to God, it signifies that he is the source of all great bounties and unfailing compassion. He is the benevolent, the loving, who bestows his mercy and benefactions for no reason except that benevolence is one of his divine attributes. As for man, this event signifies that God has bestowed on him an honor of which he can hardly ever appreciate and for which he can never show enough gratitude not even if he spends all his life in devotion and prostration. This honor is that God has taken notice and care of him, established contact with him, and chosen one of the human race as his messenger to reveal to him his words, that the earth, man's abode, has become the recipient of these divine words, which the whole universe echoes with submission and devotion. This great event began to bear on the life of humanity as a whole ride from the first moment. It marked a change in the course of history, following the change it brought about in the course followed by human conscience. It specified the source man should look up to in order to derive his ideals, values, 
and criteria. The source is heaven and divine revelations, not this world and man's own desires.